Blog Talk Radio.
And uh, you might have jinxed me. I did not have the like an amazing Valentine's weekend or anything like that. It was, it was pretty, pretty um, original, pretty normal. Yeah. Uh, I didn't get any chocolates. Yeah, no chocolates, no candy. Uh, a singing, a singing card, and uh, chili for dinner. Wow. Well, tomorrow is actually a very important day for Valentine's Day, people. Because, see, tomorrow, is that when... <laughs> the Valentine's Day candy at Target goes to 50% off. So, for all the ladies out there that have not received a gift from me yet, I will see you this weekend with candy. Because it's 50% off at Target starting tomorrow. I can't. But speaking of which, that makes me remember it. Happy belated birthday to Terry Colvin. Your birthday is Valentine's Day. Yes, it is. And because my social media, I've decided that I'm I'm giving up social media for Lent. You guys may all remember last year I gave up bread and meat, and I was very angry and aggressive on the show. So this year I am giving up social media. So a lot of people may notice that my Facebook is deactivated. There will be no tweets from me. I'm giving it up. Mm. Forty days of blissful silence. <laughs> Are you going to be able to do that? Um, I actually think it's going to be easier than I think it's going to be. Um, the only issue is because of the wedding planning and things like that. Some people don't respond to text messages, so the easiest way to get in contact with them was either to tweet them, direct message them, or send them a Facebook message. Mm-hmm. So I think that's what's going to make it the sacrifice that I needed to be um, for Lent, because I really have to find other ways to communicate with people. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, that's my struggle. That's a, that's a big one, man. I'm proud of you. Yeah, I wasn't going to give up meat again because that was um, too much. The eye twitching, the B12 levels shooting down, the aggression. <laughs> um, got some the hamburgers, and <laughs> I'm not going to make that mistake again. Well, I'm excited about today. I am Because I, I miss Mike Bull. You're not the only one, man. There's something that's not right with the world. Yeah, that's that's my guy, man. So, having him around again. Yeah, and it it was hard kind of getting in contact with him for a while. He was was making a lot of moves. He was doing a lot of things, and it was hard Mm -hmm. getting him. But, you know, once we were able to get a hold of him, we just had to pick the right time to get everything off. Yeah, so, well, and what are we talking about tonight, Phoenix? Mike Bone is going to be introducing and reintroducing the uh, legendary funk band War. Wow. Huge. So, uh, you know, very, very big, very big. <laughs> Looking forward, to looking forward to it. Absolutely looking forward to it. We got a warm mix that we're gonna play and uh, you know, to bring uh bring Mike in. And then we're just gonna let Mr Mr. Boone do do what Mr. Boone does. Yeah, just let him pretty much take over. Yeah, I'm looking forward okay. to it. Like I said, I needed this. It was an absolutely horrible day. And um just trying to and it the right way. You know what? But it was made it even worse. I didn't even catch Empire tonight. So like I'm oh, just, I'm just really disappointed and it's horrible man. I looked up at the clock and it was nine thirty. I'm like, I can't watch it now. Like, it's the first half hour. I I I can't I can't watch that show. You now now we can talk about it because you brought that up. Well, you tried to bring it up a while ago. We can we can talk about it now. Why? What is your issue with Empire? I, you know I don't like stuff like that. I tried but to watch it. 
I think I got through eight and a half minutes before I needed some sort of a cleansing. I just couldn't do it. A cleansing, though? Huh? It was that bad you needed a cleansing? <laughs> you know, I, yeah, man, I, I just, I, I just couldn't do it. But it's really, really good. You know, like, once you get invested in, in a character, mm-hmm. it's really, really good. Yeah. It's a really, really good, yeah, it's a really, really good show. Unlike a lot of the other shows on television or other shows, um, you know, full of African-Americans, uh, you know, mm-hmm. whenever we get a show on a primetime slot, we want to support the show so that we can get other you know, right. time slide shows. There's always something wrong with the show. Like Blackish, for example. I'm, oh I, Lord! I, I, watch, I watch Blackish, but I always feel not black when I'm watching Blackish. <laughs> like it bothers me. I don't feel like I'm an African American looking at other African Americans. I feel like I'm a non-black. Judging how blacks don't act black. Which yeah, I, really I, I, I understand. I really don't think that was the point. So they kind of missed the mark on that one. Well, you're so doing Empire better than me because I never Empire, tried that one. Yeah, Empire allows me to embrace my East Orange roots without losing <laughs> my Montclair Catholic edge. <laughs> And so my it's not complete buffoonery. Okay, I wouldn't go that far. I think there's a really, really <laughs> nice balance of buffoonery okay. and a word that my fiance um, has coined for me: niggerdom. It's a very, oh, very God. good balance. Oh God! Did you really just very, say that? Very, very good balance. <laughs> I did. Um, there's, there's no. That, that's one of those phrases that you kind of just have to say. You can't really tiptoe around it and change the change the lettering. And you just kind of got to just go ahead on it. You got to commit to it and just do it. Wow, that that made me uncomfortable. <laughs> I think if you if you if you watch like the first the first eight minutes of the first episode, granted, you know the first episode of anything. If it doesn't grab you within the first four or five minutes, you're not gonna watch it. Right, right. Like Gotham. That's true. Gotham didn't grab me within the first five minutes, and so I have not watched an episode of Gotham. Okay. Hmm. Even though I'm hearing all these great things about it, I refuse to watch it because within the first five minutes, I was introduced to the most boring person to ever play Gordon in the history of Batman. Wow. You know, I so see. I get it, but you know, it's diehard fans. People, people love Empire, and it's kind of predictable mm-hmm. to anybody that really, really pays attention to storytelling and the, the psychology of uh, hood people who make it. The show is very predictable. Um, I think the allure of the show is just. There's so many things and so many dynamics in the show that are not supposed to either be together or they're not supposed to work together, and they find some way to work. Like, Mm -hmm. you have homosexuality, you have drugs, you have hip-hop, you have ratchetness, yet you also have a bougie, classy person. It's just so many different oxymorons that are somehow working together and really flirting a line between being entertaining and oversaturated. Mm-hmm. It works well. I would venture to say that more people watch Empire than watch the Grammys. Than watch what? The Grammys. Really? I I, I would I would venture to say that. That's so big. Well, we live in a we live in a different world and we live in a, a different time, you know, where the things that were interesting to you and I, you know, the way to tell a story or you know, 
superheroes and characters and things like that. Like we care more about the archetype of a superhero. We wanted to know how you got to this point, why these colors, what is your mission, like what are your weaknesses, what what are your strengths. It's not important anymore. Now the the superhero has to have like this humanistic element and this love element, and we we care so much more about the person instead of the alter ego, the hero. The world has just changed. It's just, it's just different. Mm. You know, we yeah. were fascinated by Nino Brown, but nowadays right. Nino Brown is, is the world is too desensitized to the drug dealer. So now you got to make the drug dealer a rap mogul in order to get people's attention. <laughs> and you know, I don't like Terrence Howard, so. Here, no you know, I'm not a, I'm I'm not a Terrence Howard fan either. Um, you know, besides the fact that we share the same name, and then he goes out and does just the most pompous jerk things <laughs> ever. He makes other people look at other Terrences and think, "Oh, you're a jerk too." No, I'm actually not. If I had a chance to be Rhodey, I would have took whatever check they want Marvel wanted to give me, and I would have been. War Machine. I wouldn't ask for mm-hmm. But that's just me. You know them light skin guys. I wouldn't have done Hustle and Flow. I would have thought it would have been a, a black mark on my career. Just me personally. Yeah, I wouldn't have done that either. <laughs> just my opinion. <laughs> but, uh,. At least he didn't perform it at the Grammys like he started to. Oof. You know, every so often they get it right. <laughs> so but I'm I good, hear man. that... Um, I wonder... Yeah, what's up? I, I hear that Amber Rose has some sort of thing going with the Kardashians. No, see, that's how, that's how rumors get started. <laughs> I was actually, um, on Monday, I was listening to the radio um, before I took a bus ride down to Atlantic City when Amber Rose um, interviewed. She was on the Breakfast Club, and they were asking her about her interactions with um, the Kardashians. And she was saying that she doesn't, she was saying she doesn't hate them. She just doesn't rock with them either. It's just kind of a you do what you're doing over there, just let me do what I'm doing over here, and we don't ever have to meet in between or speak. Mm-hmm. And because she has, the, the issue that she does have is not even with the three Kardashians that the majority of the world knows, it's the baby sister, the one that right. just turned 17, that she has the issue with because she's dating the rapper Tyga, who had a child with China, Who's another, you know, now famous former stripper, and China and Amber Rose are good friends. Two people I've never heard of. Yeah. Right. You never, you never hear of them. It's kind of a. I was telling somebody, um, personally, this is a, it's a joke, people. Let me just know, let you know now, it's a joke because people get real sensitive about things I say on the Neil's old show, which I'll get back to in a second. I told a friend of mine when I heard about what was going on with Amber Rose and the Kardashians and China and everything, I said that it sounded a lot like the next Tyler Perry film. You know, he already did, like, the, 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 what was it, the Single Moms Club? <laughs> and, like, I think his next movie is going to be the Single Mom Former Strippers first club. <laughs> because you got these two, they were well-known dancers and strippers and rappers, you know, impregnated them, and now they have kids, and we care more about their Instagram pictures. We care more about what they're doing than anyone else on the planet. We don't care about the people that are doctors and teachers and and nurses and what they're doing with science and medicine, but we care what Amber Rose and Sebastian and Wiz Khalifa are doing, and we care about who's beefing with the Kardashian. Who cares? So the Twitter thing the Twitter thing happened because Amber said that she didn't have an issue with the three Kardashians 
she said she didn't have an issue with the Kardashians. And then Charlemagne brought up the baby Kardashian, and she was like, I just don't like that. I don't like that. He should be ashamed of himself. And I was like, so you actually do have an issue. <laughs> you do feel some kind of way. And so Chloe said something on Twitter, and Amber Rose is not um, shy at all about her Twitter. And uh, that, 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 that's what happened. I know these things not because I follow them, but because I got a phone call from my significant other who decided to explain the entire situation to me because she just could not pull herself away from Twitter. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but speaking of speaking of me and my mouth, so you and Sister Sweet will be very happy to know, and Mike Boone as well, because Mike is listening. Um, Mike, Mike, Mike may not be aware of the tirade that I went on last week in regards to LL Cool J um, being the host of the Grammys. <laughs> I would I would like to formally apologize to everyone, and I mean every single one of you that texted me or sent me a Facebook message, <laughs> all of you that emailed me YouTube links of the greatest of LL Cool J, as you thought that maybe that would make me resend my comments and that would in some way validate him continuously being the Grammy host. I would like to apologize if my comments offended you. Um, it was not my intention to offend you all. They were jokes. I was not pointing out your age. I was pointing out James's age. <laughs> my point merely was if the Grammys wanted to expand their market and they wanted to reach a different audience, then they could possibly think of having someone host that the younger generation is more accustomed to seeing, like a Katy Perry, a Bruno Mars, these people that I named. I was not trying to really say that LL Cool J does not have a place at the Grammys. I'm well aware of who he is and what he's done. I know how important he is to music. I get it. That doesn't change any of my comments that I made that NCIS Los Angeles is what it is, and he's more an actor now than an artist. That doesn't change anything. This is the same guy that did a song with a country music artist about racism. Can we can we talk to Mike Boone? If you put if you put down your chains, I'll stop wearing mine. That was a line from James Todd Smith about racism. Can you all right? It's over, man. <laughs> so I apologize, ladies and gentlemen. That's all I would have the last thing I'll say about that. And and since since Q seems to be a little a little uncomfortable now. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. It is the third Wednesday. It's the third Wednesday. We are we are super excited to be bringing this segment back to the Neil Soul show. And if anybody is not just in the dark about what we're talking about, you got to check out last week's show. But um, in the meantime, it is, again, it's the third Wednesday. That means it's the Wednesday Rewind. And we are, once again, blessed to have the Chancellor of Soul on the Neo Soul Show. So without further ado, we can learn a little bit about another great funk soul band before any of our time. Ladies and gentlemen... We bring to you the Chancellor of Soul, Mike Bone. Mike, we got you on the line. I'm here. Hey, Booty, what's up, man? Hey, how's it going, fellas? How y'all doing? You see the nonsense I got to deal with every week, man. <laughs> I didn't hear uh, that. I'm sorry. I said, you see the nonsense I have to deal with every week, man. <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> wow. He's- well, we're glad to have you back, Mike. And well, thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure being back. And we, we enjoy when you take over the show, and I'm excited about tonight, because this is one that I'm not particularly that familiar with. Mm. And whenever that happens, you always tend to give a lot of education. So I'm looking forward to it. Well, thank you. So am I. You know, it's a pleasure being back with the two of you, you know, and uh, it's a pleasure being back on the Neil's Soul Show. You know, every Wednesday rewind. I've always enjoyed it. So thanks for having me back. So, how should we start? So, 
I, I, the floor is yours, Mike. I, I don't even know where to start with, with this one. Well, I mean, this was a group that, you know, during a time where in the late 60s, a lot of bands, upcoming bands were coming out. And, you know, uh, they were talking about, you know, social pathologic pathologic uh, uh, issues, you know, mm-hmm. pertaining to war, pertaining to, you know, happenings in the ghetto and things like that. Everything that was around us, you know, it was lyrically put down and expressed, you know, and bands were coming out from everywhere. This particular band came out from East L.A. Mm-hmm. And, you know, out in East L.A., this is, you know, El Barrio out there. See, we have El, we have El Barrio here in New York, which mm-hmm. is Spanish Harlem, you know. But um, this group was a multiracial group that had all, you know, cultures. And, you know, they mixed, you know, all types of bands, uh, all types of genres, R&B, blues, reggae, Latin, uh, you name it. And this group did it, you know. And they succeeded in what they did, you know, mm-hmm. and so forth. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, War is one of those groups that were extremely popular in the 70s, you know, from the late 60s to the 70s, more the 70s than anything. Because they came mm-hmm. out in 1969 with uh, Eric Burden. And Eric Burden was a group, was with a group, he was the lead singer of a group called The Animals in the 60s. And uh, the animals had a cut out. Well, had like, quite a few cuts. Uh, don't let me be misunderstood. Uh, House of the Rising Sun. This is during the British uh, invasion time when the animals came out. So Eric Burden was the leader mm-hmm. of that group. So he left the animals and got with War, and they recorded this song, which is probably which is included in the mix tonight. Spill the wine. That was their first hit. In late 1969, right into 70. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then after that, then war. You know, Eric was still contracted under MGM. So Jerry Goldstein, who was a very popular writer, who wrote My Boyfriend's Back and and oh. Oh, a lot of great hits in the 60s, um, took the band on his wing, and um, they weren't on the contract. So then they just they got with um, United Artists. Which was a movie company, but was also a record label. So yeah, you know, and it just started from there. Wow. So now, just and I know you we still got a lot to go, but where are these guys now? Well, uh, they still perform. They mm-hmm. have a website, you know, you can go to and check out. Uh, the few of the members have gotten together, you know, reunited and and still perform. Uh, out in the West Coast, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, they perform some here in the East Coast, but more the West Coast than anything. Okay. Two members have passed on, the original members um, have passed on, but, um, mm-hmm. you know, some of them went solo, you know, like one member, Lonnie Jordan and Lee Oscar, those guys went solo, but mm-hmm. they all came back together, you know, because the solo tip just didn't work, you know. Uh, the elements just, you know, when the elements come together with them, that's when the, you know, the formula works. But unfortunately, you know, they didn't make it solo. Okay. So they all came back together and made great music, you know. But, uh, yeah, they still perform. They do still perform. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hey, Pete Mitch, you said we have a mix? Yeah, we do. We have we have, we have a mix because um for the for the listeners you know younger than myself that um they absolutely have no idea who we're talking <laughs> about. They'll they'll pretty much uh they'll be familiar with a lot of the the music that um mm, right. you know, we're gonna play. So um, let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. Let's get into the mix. All right. And when we get back, we'll 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 talk a little bit more about war. We'll be back with the Chancellor Soul, Mike Boom, and the Old Soul Show.
that's that's how many of those did you know terrence i would be i think i can name about five or six of those it's not bad i can name about five or six actually some of my favorites are not well-known songs to my generation like my mom was a my mom liked um the cisco kid so I, mm-hmm. I knew that as soon as I, I heard it. Um, I know we all we all know why can why can't we be friends? I got a couple of text messages while we were playing the music from a lot of George Lopez fans that were like, Oh my god, I didn't know that was that was war. A lot of people know Low Rider. Mhm. So, uh yeah, but slipping in slipping in the darkness, I didn't I didn't know that was war. Well aware of the song. Didn't I know that, that was war? Yeah. I I didn't know we why can't we be friends? I didn't know that was war. So yeah. interesting, like, interesting like stuff. We're always learning something. <laughs> so, Mr. Chancellor. Yeah. They've gone through quite a few members over the years. Mm-hmm. I know that. Uh, if I remember correctly, I know that. Um, I know they they lost a couple tragically. Yes. Yes, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, well, I, it was Charles Miller uh, was the first. He was murdered in uh, 1980. Mm-hmm. Um, he was the sax player. He's the one that's playing the sax in Lowrider. And uh, it was inspired by him, as a matter of fact, you know, because he had this 1940 Chevrolet uh, car. And if you know in East L.A., they have the cars that, you know, in, in Compton, they have those cars that, on the shock, they bump up and down and so forth. They was doing that way back before that was even known. You know what I mean? So they would bump the sharks back and forth. You know, the car would bounce up and down like mm-hmm. that. So that's where the lowrider inspiration came from, you know, uh, by him having that. And uh, Thomas Papa D. Allen uh, had diabetes. You know, he had issues with his health. So, you know, he passed away as well, you know. Great Kunga player. You know, he was um, one of the greats. I mean, each individually, they were just superb. You know, every instrumentation that these guys played, it's like it was just magic, total magic. And what I loved about the 70s is that you had a variety of groups that came out that were so differentiated. You know, they were different. You could distinguish who was who. Nobody sounded the same. You know what I mean? War was a total group that stood out by themselves. You knew war instantly when you heard their records on the radio or, you know, when you purchased their albums or anything. You just, you know, there were groups like Mandrill and, you know, uh, groups like that that were coming out in the 70s. They had their own distinctive style. And war was one of those groups that did, you know. And everything they basically touched from slipping into darkness, well, spilled the wine, all the way to, uh, I would say, Galaxy. And you might include Youngblood. That was the, of course, that was the soundtrack for the movie. They came out, mm-hmm. in, you know, in 1978 with Lawrence Hilton Jacobs and Brian O'Dell. Um, mm-hmm. They had a variety of what they was doing in their music. They had incorporated jazz, as you can hear, Low Riders uh, is a jazz Latin. Latin incorporated type of music You know uh-huh. Where it, You know All these elements That they included in Each of their music If you listen to them Carefully So yeah Individually These guys were just geniuses You know Lee Oscar And, and, and uh, As I mentioned uh, Lonnie Jordan Papa D. Allen Who You know Who was a great percussionist And I mean, these these guys was fantastic. And if you, some of you out there really don't know who War is, go to YouTube and check out Soul Train when War appears on there. And then you can really understand and get to know who they really were, you know, as a group. The original members, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you can really, really see how talented these gentlemen were. Really. Wow. And the songs itself speaks because, as I mentioned earlier, they, you know, incorporate a lot of the um, lyrically uh, social issues. 
Now, the Cisco mm-hmm. Kid was inspired because it was a television show called The Cisco Kid in the 50s. And uh, the actor, I cannot think of his name for this for the moment, um, was still alive when that song came out in 72. And mm-hmm. they gave him a gold record because, you know, Cisco Kid sold millions. And they gave him a gold record. So his family probably has that plastered on their, you know, their, their wall now as we speak. Wow. And, you know, of course, the uh, the concept album, The World is a Ghetto, which was one of the biggest albums in 1972. It, cro- it was so big, it crossed over to the pop charts where it hit number one. And every song on that album, if you talk about the What's Going On album is great, you've got to listen to The World is a Ghetto. Every song on there tells a story. Everyone. Four Corner Room, The World is a Ghetto, Cisco Kid, everything. Hmm. It's good stuff. <laughs> so, you know I'm asking you what your favorite one is. My favorite one? Oh, that's like my babies. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> um, well, if I had to, okay, I would say, what's the, let's just say, the first record I bought by War was Slipping in the Darkness. I fell in love with that song. Because of their harmonies, um, I would say. Well, that I would definitely say um, the song "Summer" that came out in '76. Uh, their harmonies and that is it gives me chills when they start singing. And if you really listen to the song "Summer," it tells about what we were doing in the '70s. You know, they mentioned the CB radios. They mentioned uh, us playing by the fire hydrant. Um, it, it just, you know, and listening to that song when I was doing the mix, I, I kind of had reminiscences of my childhood because that's exactly what I did in my childhood, you know, the description of that song, Summer. So I would say Summer is one of them, World is a Ghetto, Cisco Kid, you know. Um, I don't really have a favorite. I can't really say. They're all my favorites. <laughs> They're all my favorites, yeah. Wow. I mean, it is good stuff, though. Mm. <laughs> they, they they were definitely it. And it's funny, I didn't know that they had put out some of those songs that were there. And it's songs that you hear all the time. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, Lowriders like their their uh, signature song now. Because it's on a commercial. It's featured on a medicine commercial. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's, it's been featured in various commercials. You know, mm-hmm. um... So, I mean, you know, um, their popularity, their, their, their legacy it continues to grow, you know, because now it's being reintroduced to a new audience, a new generation, right? you know, and their music. And, and it's also mm-hmm. been sampled. I mean, you know, forget about it. War has been sampled, you know, by so many people, you know, so many people. Janet Jackson, for instance, she sampled them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then you got De La Soul, uh, Red Man, Method Man. All these people, you know, uh, sample war. Ghetto Boys, they all sample the music of war. And you have to really listen closely to each sample. Wow. <laughs> T. Mitch, what do you think, man? Um, they learned an experience. I'm, I'm... I'm very much interested in how they were able to combine the different sounds. Like I'd mm-hmm. like to hear the the calypso drum during um slipping into the darkness, and you can hear the jazz horns, and and you can definitely hear the reggae influence, but then you can still hear sounds R and B. Like I can imagine how difficult that would be now. With the technology that we have, it's, it's, it's hard enough to just make a pop song with two different artists from two different genres. To have a band be able to take that many different genres and not really be genres that just sound similar, but they but blend them together. That I'm really I'm really taken by that. Like to to be able to stand out because of what you can do musically, but then be able to back that with with lyrics and songs that have a, a conscious vibe that means something to the artist and the listeners. Mm-hmm. Like 
I'm, I wish they were more like them. Actually, that, that, that was the question I was going to ask. I was going to ask you, Mike, if you, mm-hmm. have you heard, have you heard any, any sound, any, any person or any group that makes you, that makes you think of war? That of today? Hmm. At, at um, any at any time since they since they since they started any any you know it could be a song or um, an album anything that made you think like yeah that that has that war feel. Um, only the melodies of what they're doing in neo soul, I would say, you know, or like what Pharrell did with Happy, because mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know that song alone has alone has the elements of the seventies. You know, I heard it was a group called Pockets that came out with a song called Come and Go With Me in late 77, which Earth, Wind & Fire is playing on. And the keys and the, the, the melody of Happy is corresponded with that song. I was telling some of my coworkers and friends, and they, we were talking about that song, and I said, you know, there's elements in there that reminds me of the 70s. So, you know, as far as what they're doing in Neo Soul, I think what they're trying to do is reach for those type of melodies that groups like War and Mandrill and all these people that came out um, were doing. Uh, I would say the Neo Soul groups are what they're doing now, the artists of that in that genre. It's sort of reminiscent to what War was had done and had, you know, accomplished musically. But I can't because basically you have to really understand that these guys played instruments. There was no, you know, um, uh, what is the thing, uh, what they use now? Um, oh, geez, I can't think right this minute. But, you know, if they can get back into playing instruments, uh-huh. maybe they can try. But it's very difficult because it's a different generation. You know what right. I mean? And they're not really dealing with instruments. You know, they're dealing with computers. And uh-huh. I don't want to downright computers because every generation has their own general. You know, mm-hmm. and what they what they listen to and what they produce. Um as you said, you know, it, it, it is kind of hard to really um, kind of get the feel of what War was doing. Because like I said earlier, individually, these guys were very talented. They came from a musical background, church, uh, where they had instruments. They they knew guys that played the blues, that taught them how to play instruments that they learned from. They learned from bluesmen. They learned from... Um, Gospel, you know, they learned from R&B, you know, whatever was gritty and not polished, these guys learned. And they took that, those elements, and added and combined them. And so whatever the ongoings were at the time, lyrically, they put down the lyrics you know, we had a war in Vietnam that was we, it was escalating. We were sending black and Latinos in the front line. You know, a lot of our people were going to jail. Police brutality. You know, this is the reason why groups like that came out. What's going on came out. So, um, a lot of things that were going on at that time, this is what they put in the music. And it's really, really hard to define and really kind of dissect, you know, what, you know, what the feel of it. And I don't think today they're trying to capture it, but, well, if they go back to instruments and really understand the instruments and get the feel of what they're playing, maybe they can do that. But I, I, I would say the neo-soul artists and what they're doing, which I think is great, um, have that feel for what Wall was doing. Wow. Deep. <laughs> Very deep. I'm gonna end up listening to that remix again. Before we take it away. 
Yeah, right. The mix, right? I, 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 I just got a text message from um, a couple of listeners that went to YouTube. You know, when Mike said, check it out on YouTube. They're listening now, and they're just like, they kind of said the same thing. That they wish that there was more music like that, more groups and, and artists that had authentic sound that mm-hmm. played the instruments so that didn't hear the, the auto-tunes or the different sound machines and Cause That's what I'm saying. Sorry, you know, artists, yeah. yeah, like because art, art, artists, listeners can, we, we've kind of gotten accustomed to picking that up. We can tell that it's not an authentic sound. It's a studio sound or it's an artificial sound. Like there isn't somebody actually there playing that horn. There isn't somebody right. actually there playing that that keyboard or that drum. That might have come from that drum machine. But, right. Yeah, I guess. And, right? and the thing it. about it is, is that I mean, interrupt you, but the thing about that is, is that. You can't really, you can feel a human being play an instrument because he's playing with feeling. Robotically, that's computers. Computers are robots. You program what they need to, you know, whatever the buy, you know, the uh, the buy. Uh, I can't think of the words, and I'm sorry, I'm tongue tied tonight. <laughs> but um, what what the computer incorporates, and it cannot play what humans feel. Because they have no humans. I mean, they have no spirituality. So, right. you know, you you you. This is you know, this is coming from human hands. This is coming from the human mind. So, if you're taking the instruments and whatever goes to your spirit, your inner spirit, and it comes out through those fingers, mm-hmm. those magic fingers, through that guitar, and through those the percussions, and and your voice. You you don't even know where it's coming from. It's spiritually, and all these people that came out that that the rappers that sample, because it's a feeling. It, you know, you feel it. You cannot, you cannot deny it. You can't, you know, you can't bypass it. This is the reason why we have sampling. This is the reason why you got guys that, you know, Connie and all these people that have to sample, you know. Uh, Diamonds Are Forever by Shirley Bassey and people like that because it's a feel it's a spirituality and that you can't touch you can't bypass that's all I want to put in I'm sorry I didn't mean to interrupt your you know (laughs) oh no I like that because I was going to say that's real PC and correct and I'm glad you just got right to it because I think that speaks volumes to groups of the 70s and you know, particularly us talking about war tonight when you mentioned that a person who was held on a pedestal as far as production and creating sound and music like a Kanye West or like Diddy in the 90s that they have they can't even duplicate the sound itself they have to just sample it and pay for the rights to use it they can't even mm-hmm. duplicate it mm-hmm. the ones that we consider Geniuses can't even duplicate that sound, mm-hmm. and we have a group like this. The majority of these people listening don't even know. Yeah, can't even name the group, can't name the album, but the people who sampled it are the ones that are geniuses. And don't yeah. get me wrong, the sampling helps the artist as far as payment, as far as him getting a check, like Beyonce did mm-hmm. with you know Eugene Record and the Shylights. With crazy in love when they used all you my woman, and uh-huh. he just got a, he just got a check, you know what I mean? But the fact of the matter is that when they heard that song, it was like, wow, that that would be great. So mm-hmm. basically, what it did was it just opened the doors for the new generation to get to know who the Shylights were, and so you know, you know, the generation now said, well, who are these people? You know that they sample. You know, let me go and check. Who these people are, so they can get a chance to learn the history of these people and their accomplishments, and you know the groundbreaking accomplishments that they made that has gone so far now, you know beyond leaps and bounds. So yeah, you know. So war did that. They were they're part of music history, you know. Yeah, they are. Big time too. Now, are they still performing, Boney? Yeah, yeah. They, like I said, they still perform. 
you know, places like L.A. And um, I, I, if you go on their website, they do have uh, an artillery where they're going to perform at, you know, uh, they're coming out with a new CD, as I understand. And um, they got together for, well, I know War and Eric Burton got together in 2008, and they had this uh, historical uh, reunion at the, I think it was the Royal Albert Hall in London. That's where the group Cream and Eric Clapton all got together. So it's a famous place in England, but they all got together, reunited, and performed there. But yeah, they're, they're still performing. They still, you know, they, they're supposed to come out with a new CD. And um, I think it's called Evolutionary or something like that. <clears throat> but if you go on their website, you know, they have the artillery of um, where they're going to be at. So, yeah, they're still performing. Wow. Nice. Well, I learned a lot today, T. Mitch. Hey, I do, too. I'm sure to pass this along to the other young bucks. <laughs> I mean, we appreciate you coming through and doing your thing, man. Oh, it's a pleasure. I, I always have a ball every time I'm on the show, and you know, and I'm I'm so glad that you know people tune in. They want to, you know. So thanks a lot for having me. <laughs> of course, Booney, and and we look forward to what what we're going to talk about in a few weeks when you come back. It's always fun, man. Yes, thank you so much, and it's good to be with you guys again. Thanks, yeah, Booney. We appreciate it, man. T. Mitch, you want to close us out, man? Uh, yes, for, for, for the Chancellor of Soul, Mike Boone, for the entire XCDL staff and family. Um, he is the Q man. I go by the name T. Mitch. And as always, we will see you guys next week where we will try and do better uh, for the Neo Soul Show. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Thank you. Good night. Good night, everybody.